I get a lot of comments about the food pictures that I post, you know, online, on Facebook and on Instagram, I post food pictures. And a lot of people, one of the big questions that I get a lot is, where'd you learn to do that? You know, how did you learn to do that? That's a great question and I would love to tell you. Uh, during 2020, when all of us were kind of stuck at home, I got obsessed with a couple of food shows on YouTube. You can go on YouTube and there are guys that have, have these amazing little food shows right there. Two of them that I got obsessed with, one is hosted by a guy named Andrew Ray. The show's called Binging with Babish. He has his own cookbook. I love Babish. I love to watch him cook. He is an artist, the way he puts food together. It is amazing. And then there is Sam Zion, who's known as Sam the Cooking Guy. Uh, Sam is also an artist, but it's more of a street artist, uh, kind of a street performer. Uh, Sam owns a couple of amazing sounding restaurants. Someday I intend to go to San Diego and eat at Not Not Tacos. And if Sam's watching, maybe he's watching today. I don't know. Sam, just send me to San Diego. I'd love to come eat there. Um, but both of, them, both of them are amazing, but they're very, very different. Andrew is all about, is all about creating. So if, let's say Andrew is, is making a cheeseburger on his show one day. So he's going to buy the beef. He's going to go, he's going to go see you. And he's going to buy beef, right? And he is going to get, he's going to buy veal. He's going to buy brisket. And he's going to buy short rib. He's going to grind them together at a very precise ratio and make the perfect ground beef. He is then going to buy pork belly. Notice I'm illustrating here. Pork belly. And he is going to cure it, he's going to smoke it, he's going to make his own bacon. He will actually make his own buns and they look amazing and perfect. That's how he puts together a bacon cheeseburger. Sam, on the other hand, is going to go to the store and buy 80-20 ground beef. You know, get a chub of that. He's going to buy the cheese from the store. He's going to buy some special bacon that he finds somewhere. And he's going to, he doesn't have a cheeseburger in his. This is a meatloaf sandwich that he made. That is amazing. But Sam will go to the store and buy shredded cheese, which everybody else says, don't ever buy shredded cheese. He will go buy shredded cheese, you know, like you and I would do, and put it all together. Now, when I want to be amazed, I watch Binging with Babish, because he comes up with amazing things, and his recipes look incredible. But when it comes to what I can do, and what I feel like I can duplicate, what I want to try, I watch Sam the Cooking Guy. Sam makes everything that he does look achievable. You walk away from watching one of his videos and you say, I think I can do that. So Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. I want you to hear what the disciples are asking for from Jesus. Uh, what, what they're asking, but hear it for yourself. They're not asking Jesus, how do I wow people with deep and meaningful, deeply spiritual prayers? They don't want a perfectly crafted prayer that sounds super spiritual. They want a meat and potatoes kind of prayer, or maybe better yet, a bacon cheeseburger kind of prayer. They want something that is accessible to them, something that's reproducible, something they can come away from and say, I can do that too. I read a lot about prayer. I, I hear a lot of sermons about prayer. I, I, I read books about prayer. I talk to people about prayer. And I find that far too often prayer is presented as something hard. Something that you, you need to master. You're going to spend years trying to master prayer. You need to get up early. You need to get up an hour earlier than everybody else. 
If you're not starting prayer an hour before, if you're not having an hour of prayer first thing in the morning, or even trying, I, I hear things like that, when the reality is we, we just need to eat. <laughs> we need to find nourishment. We need to find something that strengthens us. I, I go back to Sam the cooking guy when I want to feed my family. I go to Sam the cooking guy when I want to feed you. Where do you think the carne asada street tacos we had a few months ago came from? That was Sam the cooking guy. That's where I learned that. You, you don't need prayer that, that presents an impossible standard that you can't reach. You need prayer that is attainable, prayer that is doable. <laughs> you need Jesus to teach you how to pray. And so Jesus gives us here in Luke 11, He gives us a model prayer, which you've already prayed today. And then He gives us three little stories to help us understand prayer. And the first thing that Jesus wants you to know about prayer is that prayer is more about God's character than it is about your character. We're looking there in Luke 11, verses 5-13. through 13. It's page 869 in those blue Bibles. And we're going to begin in verses 5-8. through 8. This is the, the first story Jesus tells. Verse 5, And He said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. I want to keep this series simple. I want to keep all of this teaching on prayer simple. I want to make sure it's understandable. And this is the worst way to begin because this is one of the hardest to understand parables that Jesus tells. And it's hard to understand for several reasons. First of all, it's, it's not even really a parable. It's an anti-parable. This parable tells us what God is not like and what prayer is not like. And on top of that, there is this word in this parable. A key word. The key word. Verse 8. Impudence. I looked it up. I went to Merriam-Webster and I looked up impudence. This is the definition I got. Impertinence. So I looked up impertinence. Now, what does it mean? The King James Version translates it importunity. That doesn't help me much. The NIV, I like the NIV. The NIV says it's shameless audacity. I, like, I feel like I have a little bit of that. Shameless audacity. What does it mean? More difficult, this is the only time that word is used in the entire New Testament. It is never used again. So how do we define that word? <clears throat> in the end, it's not so much about understanding the word as it's about understanding the culture. When we read the Gospels, when you, when, you, when you come to that Jewish culture, one of the things you need to understand is Jewish culture was very much motivated by two things, honor and shame. You would not want to do anything that brought shame to your family, shame to your name, shame to God, or shame even to your community. You wanted to honor others. You wanted to do things that would bring honor. And so a visitor comes at midnight. He is hungry. He is three loaf of bread hungry. And the neighbor comes to your house and bangs on your door and says, I need three loaves of bread. The host has nothing. 
He, and he's asleep. He's in bed. The kids are in bed. If I get up, it's going to be a whole thing. Everybody's got to get up. I've got to, you know, the little one's got to roll over, roll over, and then we all got to get out. But because of his, and here's what the word means, because he does not want to dishonor his community. Because he would not want his community to be looked at as a place where people don't find hospitality. He wants to make sure hospitality is known in his community. He will get up and he says he will give him whatever he wants. You want bread? Sure, I got bread. How about wine? You got wine? I can get you some wine. Do you need a blanket? You got someone coming at midnight? You're going to need an extra blanket. He will give him whatever he needs. We are a good town. We take care of our visitors. That's That's what the man wants to know. It wants to be known. This past week, there was a family in our community, family here in Kansas, their furnace broke. Okay? You remember the storm that came in this week? This family had a furnace that broke down on Tuesday, and a storm was coming. They needed it fixed right away, but they couldn't afford it. We fixed that furnace for them. We used the generous bucket money. You put a dollar in every week, or maybe you put more in, or you know, we, we put a dollar in there and, and we took that money and we fixed their furnace. Why'd we do that? Because it's the right thing to do. You, you help your neighbor, right? We fixed it because it would be a shame if we had resources to help our neighbors and we didn't use them, right? So we took care of our neighbor. What does this story tell us about God? There was an assumption in Jesus' day, and it may be an assumption that people still have today, that prayer depends on you, what kind of person you are. If you're a righteous person, if you're a good person, if you say the right words, God will hear your prayers, He will answer your prayers. But what Jesus teaches us is prayer depends on God's character more than it depends on yours. And God would not want to do anything that would dishonor His name. And so He hears your prayers. Jesus takes the focus off of our righteousness and instead places it on God's righteousness and on His devotion to us it's like that commercial used to say remember the commercial like a good neighbor god answers prayer is that how it went it's close enough right chances are there's there's been times in your life where you thought you know i've messed up way too much i I don't deserve for god to hear my prayers i don't deserve god's attention he's not going to answer my prayers i've screwed up too much i've let him down i've let other people down There may have even been times in life where you felt like you were too ashamed to pray. Jesus' story tells us that that is absolutely not true. Prayer isn't about who you are. It isn't about what you've done. Prayer is about God. It's about who He is and the honor that He brings to His name. It's about who He will always be. And so the focus isn't on your character, but instead it's on God's character. So what what does God's character tell us about prayer. Well, it tells us that God longs to hear your prayers. So if Jesus' first story here is a little too confusing, the, the next story might be a little too relatable, especially if you're parents. And I don't know yet, but maybe even if you're grandparents, you know, it might be a little too relatable. In seeking to understand how God answers prayer, Jesus gives us a very human understanding, the understanding of how we care for our kids. You, you want the best. You want the best for your kids. You want to give them the best. And, and there's something wonderful in knowing that our children trust us with their needs. And so Jesus goes on, verse 9, 
And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? There's a story they made us read in school called The Monkey's Paw. Did you ever read The Monkey's Paw? Did Quella and Sylvia make you all read The Monkey's Paw? It's probably not your same time there, is it? Monkey's Paw is a story about this artifact. You know the Monkey's Paw story, Blake? So there's this artifact that's found. It is a mummified monkey's paw. Wouldn't that be awesome? And whoever has the monkey's paw, it will grant them three wishes. And so the monkey's paw grants three wishes. But here's the thing. They're not really blessings. They're curses. Because you cannot be careful enough. You cannot word your request carefully enough that the monkey's paw will actually give you what you want. Instead, it gives you something you don't want. There were people in Jesus' day, there may even be people today that think that if you don't say your prayers just exactly right, if you don't use the exact right language, God will give you something that you don't want. The gods were tricksters back then, and if you weren't careful with your prayers, they would give you something that you don't want. And Jesus compares it to taking care of your kids. Your son is hungry. And he asks for a fish. And you say, well, a, a fish has scales. A fish is slimy. A snake has scales and a snake looks slimy. And so you give the kid a snake instead of a fish. Now, Brandon, I'm not, you know, you might. I don't know. Blake might actually like that. I don't know. So you wouldn't do that to your kid. Or your son's hungry and he asks for an egg. And you say, hold out your hand. I've got an egg. And you'll drop it in and it's a scorpion and it stings him instead. You wouldn't do that to your kids. You know, your kids know to re that you're, they're going to receive good things from you. you. You've given good things to your kids. Don't expect anything less from God. And Jesus goes on in verse 11, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Connor uses his iPad to tell us what he wants. He'll come up to Trish or me more often than not, he goes up to Trish and he brings his iPad and he pulls up a certain page on his iPad and he pushes buttons and the buttons say, I want to go to the junction. He wants to go to the country junction uptown. And when Connor says, I want to go to the junction, we go to the junction. And we get to the junction and he says, I want chicken strips. I want potato wedges. I want a drink. And we give him those things. That kid goes through a lot of potato wedges and a lot of chicken strips. And that's okay because he needs to know that if he communicates with us, if he asks for it, he will get what he wants because we need to keep communication open with him. What do you think God wants you to know about prayer? He wants you to know that if you request, he hears you. He will respond now, there are a few times when Connor asks for something and we don't give him exactly what he asks for. Now, sometimes we'll change it up a little bit. A few weeks ago, I thought it'd be fun if Connor and Dad had, a, had dinner out. You know, we just went out and had dinner ourselves. And so I asked him where he wanted to go. He wanted to go to Cracker Barrel. I was like, that's great. Let's go to Cracker Barrel. So we go to Cracker Barrel. We sit down. Our server took such good care of us. 
She was so kind and so patient because it took us a while to figure out what we wanted. And I, I showed him the menu. I explained him what all was there. And I showed him his iPad. And I said, what do you want? And he said, meatloaf. And I thought, that's silly. He doesn't eat meatloaf. He eats chicken strips. And so I ordered him chicken strips. I ordered myself the meatloaf, though, because it did look really good. The meatloaf's pretty good there. Guess who ate my meatloaf? Not me. <laughs> Guess who ended up eating the chicken strips that night? I did. I ended up eating the chicken strips. But you know, there are times our prayers don't get answered the way we want. And if you're Connor, you can muscle your way through that and you can still get your meatloaf. There are times when our prayers don't get answered the way we want. What do we do? How do we react in those times when, they don't, when we don't receive the things that we've asked for? Richard Foster, I love the way he puts it. And Richard Foster has written an awful lot about prayer. He says, the truth of the matter is we all come to prayer with a tangled mass of motives. Some of us have, some of us have pure motives. <laughs> some of us have selfish motives. Sometimes we have merciful motives and hateful motives. Sometimes we're loving and bitter. Frankly, this side of eternity, we will never unravel the good from the bad, the pure from the impure. But what I've come to see is that God is big enough. Listen to this. God is big enough to receive us with all our mixture. We don't have to be bright. <laughs> good news. We don't have to be bright or pure or filled with faith or anything. That's what grace means. And not only are we saved by grace, we live by it as well, and we pray by grace. This is something we need to understand because too often our prayers are, are just about what we want. But what Jesus shows us here is that God doesn't just promise to answer your prayer. God promises you Himself. We, we would have to confess, though, that we make prayer about ourselves an awful lot. Even with the best of intentions, we have our lists of things that we want. We want to be healed. We want to be whole. We want to win the lottery. <laughs> we want to be comfortable. And what Jesus shows us here is prayer is about the, the character of God, that His attention is on you, that He longs to hear from you. You don't have to use the right words. You don't have to have the right magic incantation. He longs to hear from you. He longs to answer but His first promise to you is Himself. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. You wouldn't give your kids something that would hurt them, right? And then Jesus concludes with verse 13. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Read that very carefully because you need to hear it. Does it say that God's going to give you everything that you ask? <laughs> that you're always going to get chicken strips? No. Does it say that He's going to trick you? That he's going to give you something you don't want? No, it doesn't say that. What does He give? He gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask. God doesn't just promise to answer your prayers. He promises His very self to you. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Now keep in mind, we're, we're reading this from the Gospel of Luke, right? We're not, this is not Matthew's story. This is Luke's story. Luke wrote the Gospel. He also wrote the book of... Thank you. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells the disciples, remain in Jerusalem 
until you have received power from on high. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes, right? They are empowered. They begin to preach. They begin to teach. They begin to sing praises. They begin to heal people. They begin to restore people. They are making people whole. They are blessing their community. What Acts shows us is that without the Holy Spirit, there is no church. And Jesus here says that God will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Not just that He answers our prayer, but that He promises His very presence with us. Henry Nouwen, who also has written a lot about prayer, Henry Nouwen wrote this, prayer is living in the presence of God. You hear that? Prayer is living in the presence of God. The reason, you know, the reason we were able to help the family with their furnace this week is not just because we have bucket money, right? It's not just because you put money in the bucket. The reason we were able to help is because we are listening. You are listening to the Holy Spirit. You know, you're, you're hearing the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit puts people in our path that we can help. And as we trust God's goodness in the way that He answers our prayers, and in our own goodness, we have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, goodness. In our own goodness, the way that we help others, we help other people see that God's attention is on them as well. I think one of the greatest gifts that we have to others is that we get to pray for them. One of the greatest gifts that we have is that we get to pray for other people. It is so vital for us to do that. It is so vital for them. It is an honor. I've said this many times. It is an honor when someone asks us to pray for them. But you know, it's never just about asking God to meet that person's need. It's about seeking God's presence for them. It's about seeking that they will know that God is with them, that He promises to be with them, and that through the way that we care for them, the things that we do to care, that they will know that God cares. So I want to give you a prayer assignment. I want to give you an assignment. We've got books to give you over the next few weeks. I also have got assignments. I'm going to give you an assignment every week to go home and do something with this sermon. This is the assignment this week. Pick one person to pray for this week. Just pick one person that you are going to pray for this week. Now, it may be a friend. It may be a relative. Sometimes relatives can be friends, right? Maybe a friend or it could be a relative. It could be someone you work with. It could be a neighbor. And maybe it's someone who's going through something right now. Maybe you don't know what exactly they're going through. Maybe, maybe just right now, as I mentioned this, a name popped into your head. And if that happened... I would tell you that I, I would believe that that's a, there's a good chance that's the Holy Spirit. A name just pops into your head? I think that's the Holy Spirit telling you that's some way. Joy would call it a God nod, wouldn't you, Joy? You know, that it's, it's a God nod. It's the Holy Spirit saying, here's someone that you can pray for. Just pray for them. Every, this week, pray for them. I'm not asking that you send them a card. I'm not asking, although cards are nice. I'm not asking that you do anything else. Just pray for them this week. And as you pray, pay attention. And if it's someone that you see every week, pay attention to what they're doing and, and what they're saying. It, if you see them post things online, pay attention to what they're posting. And as you pray, just ask, do I see them asking for anything? Is there anything they're seeking? Is there a door that they seem to be knocking on in the things that they're saying and the ways the way that they're saying them? Is, is there, are they knocking on a door for something to be open to them? And if God stands ready to meet their needs, to honor His name, then what can you do for them? What, can, what could we do for them? Is there some way to show them 
that God loves them, that He hears them, and that He longs to be known by them. That's why we come to communion every week. Because we have a God who longs to be known. We will go to the ends of the, of the world, the ends of the, of the universe, to be known by us. He sent His very Son to give Himself that we might know who He is. And while you and I here in, in, the, in this room, or, or you and I here online, as some of you are preparing your communion yourself, while we may, we may feel like we are just here doing this together, in a very real sense, we are, we are asking Christ to, to use us in this time, to use us together. It is not just communion for the moment. It is to remind us that, that He is with us always and that we we can bless other people. We can, we can use that knowledge. We can use that realization to honor others and to care for them and to meet their needs. So be thinking about that person you're going to pray for this week. Keep someone in mind. Put their name somewhere where you'll see it every day. And just be praying. Let's take a moment and pray now. And then uh, we'll, take, we'll sing and we'll take together. Father, we thank You. <laughs> Lord, the... Uh, we thank You for Your attention in prayer. Uh, we thank You for the, the... There have been times when we have felt very unworthy. Uh, we have felt that we had no right to come before You. We had no right to ask. And yet again and again, as we look through Scripture, You show us that, that you, you have placed Your attention on us. You have, you, your heart is with us. You desire to hear us. And You desire good things for us. We thank You for that promise. We thank You that well, you, you went to the extent of sending Your Son so that we might know You and we might know that promise. And so we take today the bread and the cup and we remind ourselves of, of how far You went to come to us. And Lord, uh, as we think about those that we're going to pray for this week, as we think about those that we're going to give some attention to, Lord, we may have to ask ourselves how far are we willing to go to reach out to that person to show them that we care, to show them that You care. Bless this time as we take and draw us ever closer to You. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.